Empower Radio presents the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Crawl. Hello and welcome everyone. You're listening to the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. I've been contemplating the peace that surpasses all understanding. This morning I listened to one of my favorite songs several times. It's one of my favorites in my usual morning playlist called Peace Within by Juliet Lyons. As I sat there in peace, I was wondering, does achieving personal peace result in world peace? Not just in a metaphysical way, but as a serious pathway for our collective consciousness. We're moving into a new epoch of expanded consciousness, cooperation, unity, wholeness, and yes, peace. Many peace organizations are working together, even playing together toward peace on earth by 2030. There are hundreds of organizations from the nuclear disarmament movement to global and personal security, global synchronized meditations, planting peace poles, and a global silent minute. 2021 marks the 40th anniversary of the United Nations International Day of Peace. Today, we're going to explore peace from the inside out with two experts of peace and maybe even a newer way of thinking to achieve peace in three years or less. I invite you to take a few deep breaths, open your heart and mind, and settle into your essential wholeness as I introduce our guests First, Dr. Dot Maver is an educator and peace builder whose keynote is Inspiring Cooperation on Behalf of the Common Good. She is co-founder of Global Silent Minute, Global Alliance for Ministries and Infrastructures for Peace, National Peace Academy USA, and River, River Phoenix Center for Peace Building. And next, Dr. Donald Pett is director and founder of the Educational Community, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation where their mission is to inspire a million-member movement of teachers to popularize Einstein's solution to make our world the safe, loving home we want and need. The Educational Community offers lifelong education online and it's free forever. I'm happy to have both of you here. Welcome, Dot and Don. Delighted to be here. Thank you, Julie. Yeah, so nice to be here. We have a traditional first question on this show. I'm going to begin with it because I like to set this conversation in this larger meme, in this foundation of really whole systems health and looking at things um, as we're moving toward really cultivating this ethos of wholeness here. And Don, this is the first time on my show. I'm going to ask you first, but I w- would like to ask you again, Dot, because having a conversation about peace, I trust that in this moment, 
as we're recording this on the International Day of Peace, that all things connected will take on maybe a new nuance for you and your response. But I'm going to start with you, Don, if you don't mind. What does all things connected mean to you? Well, we live in a, the world has changed. We're not little tribes anymore. We're not, we started off as individuals, then we went to families, then we went to tribes, and now we're beginning to be tribes of tribes. We're so interconnected, dependent on one another, that we have to go to the next higher level of love, which would be universal or global love. So that's what it means to me. It means we've got to begin to work together in unison. Uh, otherwise, if we don't go to the next step, then the individual cells become cancer cells. The individual tribes take from from the central system, and and that's not good. So that's why I think we need to have a global movement, a million-member movement is what our interest is. Thank you, Don. I love the word unison. I hope that comes up later. I wrote it down, and if it doesn't, I might just weave in a question of that because I like that word. So, Dot, on this 40th anniversary of the International Day of Peace, what does all things connected mean to you? Mm, thank you for the question. And, Don, I love work together in unison. And you're right, Julie, that it is deepening today as the peace wave, 12 noon around the world, minute of silence, minute of peace, is merging with the global silent minute, which is also a daily practice at 9 p.m. GMT. And talking about working together in unison and being connected through what I will term the etheric body of this beautiful planet we all call home. The reality of that, as many of us from various parts of this planet come together at noon, hour after hour after hour, to connect, to connect our hearts across distance, and to connect thoughtfully, literally, expressions of thought through silence as action. So there is a deepening going on in terms of interconnectedness that is, uh, it's profound in my heart today. Mm. I, there's a couple things you said, Dot, that I think are really important that, that again, I made a note of. I, I love that you're talking about the etheric body of the planet i hope that we deepen into what that really means so our listeners can really feel um, what you're saying with with more um perhaps precision here as we move into this conversation and that silence as action this is a good wow this is a good place to begin because oftentimes we don't know silence as action so it's the 40th anniversary of the international day of peace 2021 um is the year that marks that. And it doesn't matter what day or time you may be listening to our voices here on Empower Radio speaking of this today. It doesn't matter if it's January. Um, we're just acknowledging that the United Nations came together 40 years ago and said, this is an important thing. And I'm going to I'm going to end our conversation or toward the end, 
um, propose an expansion of that mission and, and have both of you respond um, to, to a query that, that I'm really curious about. But it is the 40th anniversary. So to start off this conversation, I want to give each of you the spotlight and microphone for a moment to establish a foundation for this important topic. Dot, we're going to start with you. From your perspective, what is the pathway to world peace? And what is the role of personal peace in that journey? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, we had spoken of subtle activism. There's social activism and subtle activism. We need both. But when we talk about subtle activism, we're actually talking about an inner dimension of peace. And the question that you pose, uh, does inner peace lead to world peace? Yes. When enough of us on the planet are living in right relationship with ourselves and then others and then all life, yes, that is actually the realization of world peace. But peace is not the goal. It's the natural outcome of that subtle activism, which has to do with uh, prayer, meditation, taking care of ourselves, uh, deep listening, all it, you could almost name them social emotional skills. Uh, but yes, that is what will ultimately lead to world peace because when we have peace within, we hold a vertical alignment, taking a horizontal view, not the other way around. Dot, that's brilliant. And I, I just want to expand on this for a second before I let Don respond to that question. When you said peace is not the goal, it's the outcome. I also heard the direct response to that question as world peace is not the goal. It's the outcome of personal peace. And it's almost like this expansion of having us learn that subtle activism does move us into the more social activism. Is that is that how you would explain it? Yes, that's actually how I think about it. Subtle activism places me in a position to observe life through the lens of being a solutionary, an empath, uh, someone with compassion and wanting to help meet true needs rather than looking through the lens of that's wrong, that's wrong, that needs to be fixed. And that's a, a major shift that's happening on the planet as we literally create the conditions for the culture of peace that we seem to long for. Mm. One of my favorite phrases right there, creating the conditions for a culture of peace. Don, you have a diagram in one of your books of the intersection between world peace and inner peace. So I know you're very, um, you have a lot to say about this question from your perspective. What is that pathway to world peace? And what is the role of personal peace in that journey? What a wonderful question. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I think we first have to learn to love ourselves. Uh, if we don't love ourselves, you can't give away what you don't own. So I think the first step is is if we can do some education 
as a psychiatrist before I retired years ago, I've learned that most people don't love themselves and we don't get much education. There's no place you can go. So to be very specific, we need to start education in loving ourselves so that we are in a position to give away what we own. You can't, you can't be a role model or give it away if you don't own it. The other thing that was mentioned earlier, the business about by two, 2030, you know, 250 experts were asked uh, about their views on, on weapons of mass destruction. And the conclusion was that we don't have 10 years. We've got to do something much more rapidly. So I think the road to world peace is we have to be very specific about what people can do. Just very briefly, I just say I've, I've done over 200 interviews, five-minute interviews, and virtually everyone said they're in favor of world peace. They're not against it. But no one knew what to do. But they also said if they knew what to do, they would love to do it. So, yes, I think we need to be very specific about what we can do and and we can start bringing people together in Dot's point of view, that we spend too much time about talking about what's wrong, about the disempowering ideas. We need to talk about what are the empowering ideas. And I would say there are four qualities. Help, happiness, enough, love, and peace. I think everybody can agree we want happiness, we want enough food and spiritual values, we want enough love, and we want peace. So those are things we can teach and we can do that very specifically. So thank you for that particular question. It's wonderful. Thank you, Don. And our listeners can find out so much more about that HELP model and and really uh, tons of, of free resources that you give away on your website. So we're going to tell you listeners how to find that in a bit. But last week I did a show with Carl Johan Kalman. And he talked about the Mayan calendar and how we're nearing the end of Western dominance in the world. It was it was just really a fascinating conversation. Um, you can go on Empower Radio on our show page and find that if you want to listen to it or go to thedrjulieshow.com. You'll find the archive link there. But with that um, end of world Western dominance, the, the Western dominance in the world, with the end of that comes a major shift in the evolution of consciousness, which he calls the ninth wave of consciousness, expanding into the ninth wave. And this is what we've all been talking about, unity consciousness, unitive consciousness, that we're moving out of conflict and into cooperation, collaboration. I'm getting to a question, Don, Don, be patient with me. (laughs) But first, he does say that if we as a species are going to get back to a state of unity with the cosmos, nature, and each other, we will need to develop practices that can enhance our resonance with it. He says it is necessary that we make the quantum shift from focusing on me to focusing on we. And Don, that's what I just kind of heard you talk about. is like we have to get down to business. We simply cannot get there through continuing to work on our individual paths. So yes, we start with self-love, we start with those subtle activism, we know peace on the inside, but both of you are amazing advocates of cooperation and working together for the good of the whole. So Don, as you mentioned, I'm going to let you begin with this. You mentioned we need to get busy with those incremental pieces of this journey, those steps. So what are some of the practical ways 
for us to do this? Well, there's a very simple ways that we can rapidly create world peace. But there's reasons why we resist these simple steps. But if we just change our language, the language we have divides us into us and them. The words we were, our ancestors created 50,000 years ago, religious words, political words, and uh, patriotic words, they tell us that our way is the right way. And if you don't belong to our God or our skin color or our country flag and so on, then you're less than humane. You deserve to be punished or whatever. So we need to develop some new words or new language. So that's one thing. Now, the first word change would be if we change either or, which says my way or the other way, to change that to both and. Now, both you and I working together rather than either or. And there's one sentence that would change everything if we taught people this one sentence. That sentence is, what's good for my tribe and your tribe for now and the future. That replaces the meme that's popular today, which is what's good for me and my family and my tribe for here and now. The magic, I call it the magical sentence, because when you say what's good for my tribe and your tribe for here and now, you notice there's no right or wrong. There's there's no more us and them, as you said. There's no more us. It's we, it's together. So there's no more blaming, no more shaming, no more complaining. We're simply saying, you have goals and I have goals. What are the universal goals and how can we work together? And that's where we synergize our energy that we can really make some headway. That's the first specific step. Mm. Thank you, Don. I appreciate that. And, and Dot, what are some of the practical ways for us to really shift our awareness and consciousness and come into this consciousness of unity and peace. Mm, yeah, thank you. And Don, thank you for that. I appreciate the call for a, a different way of languaging, a, a reframing of so many things. I appreciate what you offer about urgency and emergency, for example. Mm, uh, the times right. are urgent, yes. However, uh, so, and Julie, when you said back to unity, the comment by uh, that gentleman, uh, that caught me uh, in relation to this question. Because yes, yes, there was a time when there was an existence where all was kind of one, right? And and there was, there's differentiation let's say differentiation from source and and we think we're separate out here and truly we're not having said that i think the point here for me is synthesis is unity must be created and that has to do with that expansion of consciousness and so what has been happening over this long journey that humanity has been on now we're at another bell curve moment where we are so much more conscious of self and what is happening around us and as don uh, uh, said and alluded to not so much the just the me 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 but truly shifting to recognize that oh i am part of and that shift in consciousness is what is bringing forth unity when we and don i like your work around einstein's uh, uh, solution 
Thank you. And all that too. Appreciate that very much. And when he says that we're not going to uh, solve something on the same level it's created, it has always seemed to me that he is referring directly to that capital K knowledge, that expansion, deepening of consciousness, where we realize self within all rather than self as self and everything else around us. So I, that's what's happening. How do we get there? That has to do with education and truly drawing that forth. And we there's a real need. I mean, peace education is being talked about all this month. There's a real, all in the month of September, peace month, uh, at least in the, in the U.S. And there's a real need to assist ourselves in understanding who we are, that we are living on purpose, that we have a physical body, uh, an emotional body, uh, a mental body. We're more than that, and we are responsible for that. And there's all these steps which take us beyond the selfish me to a me that makes that flip and recognizes, oh, right, okay, I can show up like this and really make a contribution that makes a difference to all. That's that's what I think. I just, I want to expand this for just a minute. I, I, I'm not ready to leave this topic. I think it's an important one and, and the shift from the me to we, because when we put it into the perspective of consciousness, and the evolution of consciousness is some consciousness is developmental. It's like we have levels of consciousness and it's kind of like in the past, we've wondered how do you teach physics to a kindergartner? You know, it's like, do we begin to teach peace from the place of unitive consciousness for all on the planet to hear and all those who have ears to hear will hear or how do we begin to really take this message not um, simplifying it from this unitive consciousness place but beginning to teach peace in every developmental stage of awareness of intellect of of our our physical emotional development of our consciousness development. I'm just curious about this. And Don, you're a psychiatrist. You know this from the inside out, working with, with different patients throughout the years. And Dot, I know you and I have had conversations about this too. So we have about three minutes before break. Not a lot, a lot of time here to explore it. But I'm just curious if either one of you want to jump in or both of you. And how do we teach this piece within the differing levels of awareness and consciousness on the planet. I'll jump, Julie, because what came to mind immediately is how inspired I was as a child hearing someone play guitar, like excellent guitar, classical guitar, guitar in bands. I didn't know the first thing about a guitar. And so I then self-taught step by step by step to get to the place where I could play guitar. And it, the reason I use that as an example is we get literally inspired by the greater. And then we take step by step to get there. Mm. 
I love that example, Dot. Thank you. Don, do you want to add sure. or expand on that? Sure. Well, I think just with that said, one of the first ways we learn is by imitation. If we have good role models, we've, we first learn by copying, by imitating others. We learn our language by learning, copying people. When they say a word, we repeat it. So when you hear music and you, you're excited about it, then you, that's the role model. Unfortunately, most kids don't have very good role models. That's why we have people stealing cars and so on. But the next thing, of course, is that once we develop language, we teach the proper language, not not just words that divide us and us and them, but when we teach some of the new words that we've created that that give people a chance to think for themselves, to become, I call it becoming your own person. That's It's when people get into their probably their late teens or early 20s that they have the opportunity to start taking responsibility for themselves. The first years of our life were so dependent on on fate and circumstances, what, 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 what our parents are like, what we've learned. We're all given these words and ideas. We inherit the, the, the instinct and traditions that worked in the past that no longer work in the present. So I think that's, that's the idea. We start with role modeling. If we can give good teachers and education in the early years, it, and then when we get to our, our senior years where we can be, actually become our own person, that's when we become independent individuals and we can start contributing to the general well-being. Mm. You know, I just want to pause. Thank you both for that was inspiring. That I'm glad I, I stopped to ask that question, but I do want to um, just pause into this idea about learning language as well because I have a precocious three-year-old granddaughter and literally, she's were using words that I shake my head and think, there's no way she can even understand what that word means, but she's using <laughs> them because she's picking it up. And I'm sure she's probably learning the meaning as she says these things. I stop with her when she says a word and I shake my head and I'll talk to her about what that word means and how she used it in the sentence and and deepen into that. But as I think about that three-year-old, I'm also thinking about some of the things we say around her and you know, you, you know, sometimes we cringe going, oh no, you know, what did we just say? And is she going to pick it up and how is she going to understand it? And, and yet I do love this idea beginning with that love of guitar and how that inspired you dot because also i know with me and my experiences some many people will ask how do you teach unitive consciousness when someone hasn't had one of those non-ordinary states of consciousness or a wake-up or a oneness experience or whatever but we're right now just laying this groundwork to inspire others and in that pursuit of fulfilling their inspiration perhaps there will be you know more unfolding awakenings before them on the path so i love that thank you both that was just a, a really good way to end our first half we are going to take a break you're listening to the dr julie show all things connected we're here with dot maver and donald pet and we're talking about peace i hope you join us for the second half there's some i'm going to put them both on the spot a couple a couple times yet so please come back we'll be right back
So you see, son, good manners are very, very important. Someday, many years from now, when you're a grown-up, you'll be a man. And when you are, you should be a gentleman. Do you want me to go through it one more time? Yes. Yes, please. Yes, please. Exactly. Always say please, thank you, you're welcome, and excuse me. Sit up straight, hold doors open for ladies. If a door's shut, then knock first. Don't burp, don't swear, don't speak with your mouthful, don't reach across people's plates, keep your elbows off the table. What table? And don't interrupt. While we're at it, don't stare, don't use foul language, don't call people names, but do remember people's names. Always share your toys, play nice, and cover your mouth when you cough or sneeze. On the bus, give up your seat to anyone who has trouble standing. Bottom line, treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Got it? Got it. And stop picking your nose. Post-parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But spending just two minutes twice a day making sure they brush their teeth is easier and could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. That's 2min2x.org. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Miles, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. Hey, America. We need to have a little talk. I don't know if you've noticed, but we got a lot of food in this country. A lot of peaches, a lot of corn, a lot of apples, a lot of everything. We've got so much food that we can't even eat it all. So if we got all this extra food, how are 17 million kids in America struggling with hunger? I just don't get it. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks gathers surplus food and gets it to the hungry kids who need it. They can get you food even if you live in Idaho or Alaska or somewhere crazy like that. This isn't complicated. We got extra food and we got hungry kids. Feeding America's done the math. Now it's your turn. Support Feeding America on your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. I know you got internet on your phone, so what are you waiting for? We can't do it without your help. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Paul George of the Indiana Pacers. When I was six, I had one thing on my mind. When I was six, my days were spent playing basketball every chance I could. When I was six, my dream was to make it to the NBA. When I was six, my mom had a stroke. So I want you to learn the signs of a stroke fast. F-A-S-T. F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. S, speech difficulty. T, time to call 911. Because the sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment. And that can make a remarkable difference in their recovery. I'm Paul George. Protect the ones you love. Spot a stroke F-A-S-T. Fast. Life is why. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Back to the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by our conversation today, I invite you to share it with others and perhaps listen to it again. You can do that by visiting my website at thedrjulieshow.com, where you'll find all the archive links as well as a listing of upcoming guests. Again, that's thedrjulieshow.com. And on the leading edge of personal, social, and global transformation, I invite you to be a way shower, a change agent, and make connections that inspire and accelerate our collective awakening and planetary healing. Stay connected every week with my newsletter where you'll find meaningful content, 
opportunities and inspiration, you can sign up at juliecrawlemail.com. Again, that's juliecrawlemail.com. I love to get your emails, your feedback, all your comments about shows, your ideas for guests. I really, really, really appreciate our connection. So thank you for staying in touch. And um, yeah, let's stay connected. So I want to share how to connect with our guest today, Donald Pett. You can find Donald at peace.academy. Very simple, peace.academy. And you can find Dot Maver at globalsilentminute.org. That's globalsilentminute.org. And Dot, I want to give you just a, um, a moment here. You have founded and co-founded so many different peace organizations. Are there any other links you want to send our listeners to today? Mm, yes, actually, I was thinking just for the few minutes, centerforpeacebuilding.org for the River Phoenix Center for Peacebuilding, centerforpeacebuilding.org. Thank you, Julie. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for mentioning that. Give us a 30-second commercial for that center for Phoenix. Okay. Uh, we are helping to create safe community uh, by assisting with developing right relationships throughout the community that focus on healthy communication uh, and conflict resolution, thus doing away with violence and really living together in safe community. Mm, beautiful, wonderful. Communicate that way. That's the key. Yeah, and that's one of... Don's passions too is this communication and language piece. So that's this perfect. I want to um, shift this to the idea of urgency, emergency. Dot, you talked about Don saying the urgency, emergency, and 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 I want this is a poignant topic that baffles so many of our listeners and so many of our communities that come together to work on peace and unity. So how do we deal with the urgency? So here's here's my question. How do we deal with urgency without fear-mongering, without using fear and separation to motivate us to move toward unity? It seems like it's a it's really an oxymoron. It's like, let's scare you so that, you know, it just doesn't work. But it's important for us to stay in resonance, to build coherence, and to line align with the impulse of evolution, that underlying universal intelligence or the divine plan that's moving us toward peace and prior unity. So, if we understand that we are way more productive when we are in our parasympathetic nervous system versus the fight or flight response, then surely we can prioritize a pathway of peace within that moves us from that subtle activism to that social activism. So who wants to respond first here. How do we address urgency without promoting fear? I'd like to tackle that because that's one of our word switches. There are seven word changes that very rapidly change the way we think. And one of them is when we substitute the word urgency for emergency. You described very well, uh, Julie, 
the biology, the physiology, we're all born with this fight or flight response. We, our ancestors had to deal with virtually everything as an emergency. They could be eaten, they could be, uh, they could be killed, they could be, they had to deal with, everything could be a, a life-threatening situation. In today's civilized world, it's not that way, but yet our body still tells us that. So people get into trouble from road rage and because they don't know how to deal with anger. They, they don't have good management of their anger. But if we teach people early that whenever they think there's something that's emergent, always subs the word urgency rather than emergency. And then ask yourself, we, we, we have this skill, we say, ask yourself, is it high, medium, or low urgency? And virtually every situation in a relatively civilized society, virtually everything we deal with is very low urgency. It's something that we can deal with by negotiation and discussion. We, we tell then we can sleep on it. Remind that people, you don't need to react to situations. Instead, you can take time and act on them. You can stay calm. So we teach people to realize the difference between reacting and learning to stay calm. And that, that's a very big step towards peace. Don, I really appreciate that. When, when you talk about urgency in the you know, low, moderate to high, and we do know the, the biology supports us when we can stay in that parasympathetic nervous system. So I really appreciate even that mental technique of us, you know, take a breath. And how, how do I respond from this place? And we, we do know we're more creative. We, we have a better use of our um, whole intellect, our cognitive abilities and our problem-solving abilities, our creativity, our intuition. There's, I mean, there's so many benefits for us to stay calm. And so even with the climate crisis, not only the, the urgency with nuclear weapons that we, you know, sometimes we look at it as an emergency. So thank you, Don. I really, really, really appreciate that. And I know Dot is probably bouncing up and down in her seat wanting to add to this because she's, <laughs> she's right here with us. Dot. I, I am right there with both of you. Yeah, thank you, Don, for that. I like this react-respond piece. We There's a great need, as you say, Julie, to be able to activate the parasympathetic nervous system. And that's a, a teaching thing. We need to educate ourselves about that. We, there's a need to give the amygdala, right, which is our, oh, dear, that happened in the past, get angry, run, whatever it is. Let the amygdala take a lap around the cranial. And with that, it doesn't take more than 30 to 60 seconds. That's why we say take a deep breath. To activate the parasympathetic, take a deep breath to the count of four, hold four, breathe out eight, and do that a couple of times. Very practical. But the, the other thing I want to say to this is it takes me to the River Phoenix Center again. And we began our work in that community. The only thing everyone could agree upon was safe community. No matter who they were, everybody could agree safe. So then we began our work, particularly with some of the youth and ultimately with police youth dialogues, but with the youth offering 
classes called communication and self-esteem. And Don, you mentioned a couple of these things, anger management, de-escalation of violence, understanding through the principles of nonviolent communication, what my basic needs are, what my feelings are, what's not getting met, why am I reacting the way I am? As we understand ourselves and start to apply that, that's what releases us from this reactivity uh, that becomes a habit in life. So that's, in terms of the education piece, that is critical. So we need both the inspiration and the education to be able to engage from a connected place as someone who can connect and communicate and cooperate. Those are the three C's we work with. Mm, connect, create, connect, say it again, create and cooperate. Connect, communicate, cooperate. Connect, communicate, cooperate. And I heard Don laughing, so I'm going to let him interject here if there was something that he really <laughs> wanted to add. Well, just that it, it, it's absolutely correct, you know, what Dot is saying. She's offering something very specific, you know, when you when you teach this skill to kids, you know, the the idea of teaching people to use the word urgency to get rid of emergency is a very specific thing. And that's what we're really talking about. That we instead of telling people what they ought to do, you know, that we're preaching to them, we need to give them specific skills. That that's part of the education. We're not doing that in our schools. We're not doing that virtually anywhere. I'd like to tell very a little, a quick little story. Years ago, uh, I was invited by the Commissioner of Corrections and the Commissioner of Mental Health in the state of Connecticut, where I, I live, to go into the prisons, the highest level prison, to interview in, inmates who were on the either the death sentence or the or life sentences. That was when we still had death sentences. We spent the day interviewing individuals, and what was surprising in this interviews is that these individuals were not career criminals. They were mostly people who, in a state of rage, when they, they lost their parasympathetic nervous system and instead had too much adrenaline, they, they something happened. They got fired from their job and they thought it was totally unfair. They came home and found their, their spouse in bed with somebody. And and at that point, they did something so egregious, they they killed somebody, or they did something that got them life, life sentences. It's just an example that we are all born with this automatic response system. And until we can teach ourselves to, to be calm and to be more relaxed, we're, we're very vulnerable. So the, the specific skills are very critical. I, I really appreciate how holistic this conversation is from learning um, anger management and our, our emotions to understanding the evolution of consciousness. There's a lot of, of practicalities that you guys are bringing in here. And both of you do offer so many practical pieces here. I'm just kind of curious if we can just expand just a little bit more on this culture of peace and cultural peace. So more than just peace between nations and political regimes, but between race, religion, gender, sexual orientation, how do we achieve a multicultural expression of peace right in our neighborhoods, right in our own backyards? We've talked about the peace within and then hopefully the 
that being a pathway to world peace. But what about the cultural stop in the middle? And you began talking about that with the the Phoenix Center. Um, I think I'm saying it wrong, Dot. Please forgive me. No, that's right. River Phoenix Center. River Phoenix Center. I keep forgetting the river. Um, so, Dot, I'll just ask you to begin there. When we're looking at cultural differences, how do we find peace in our own backyard and our own neighborhoods? Mm, yeah, and I so appreciate how thoughtful your questions are, Julie. So we realized early on that when we had a diverse group in front of us meeting some sort of crisis challenge, something that had just happened or had to be decided upon, one of the ways to talk about this was to draw an iceberg. And we realized that just 15% of, of any iceberg is seen above the water. The other 85% is below water. So let's take a challenge like uh, bullying. And regardless of our uh, what we look like or what our um, religion might be, or et cetera, something is happening with bullying. So that's obvious, and that's the violence above the watermark. What's below that? What are the causes? And as we began to have those conversations and all of us looking at those causes, we begin to realize that we want we don't want to live as those causes because because we'll keep getting the same effect. So how do we live as a cause for what we want? So we drew another iceberg and we said, okay, if that's direct violence and those are the causes, how do we get to direct peace? And in uh, ed peace education, we offer two triangles. And at the bottom, the top is direct violence, direct peace. The bottom on the left is uh, structural violence. And on the right bottom of the triangle, cultural violence. And so then those are the basic policies and uh, rules and regulations, governance, you know, that we all live by, regardless of what we look like, that support under in that iceberg model, this direct violence. And then what are our cultural norms? What is it that support violence? So go over to peace. That's where the work needs to be done. Peace, we have to create those conditions, create those policies, like really use the muscle of peace to understand what it is that's going to help us live in right relationship. Let's govern ourselves that way, meeting true need and setting up cultural norms so that we can then identify direct peace multiculturally in our communities. Mm, okay. <laughs> Don, I'm not going to ask you to expand on that because we have about 10 minutes left and I want to put you on the spot, both of you, as a synthesis of, of our conversation. Wow, I'm like so, um, I'm inspired by the two of you today and this conversation. It's just, I'm on fire here and, and bouncing in my seat. So the UN's focus for the International Day of Peace is a day devoted to strengthening the ideals of peace by observing 24 hours of nonviolence and ceasefire. Now, in my mind, and especially after listening to you guys, 24 hours of ceasefire is not enough. So we've had this 40 year goal. We've had this 40 years 
um, devoted to strengthening the ideals, but just, yes, I like the nonviolence, but it seems like we're not, we're missing the boat here. So how might we synthesize our, conversa our conversation today and recommend an evolved expression of achieving peace on this day for the next 40 years? So let's imagine Dot and Don. Don, I'm gonna ask you first, if you could address the United Nations General Assembly today and let them know that 24 hours of nonviolence and ceasefire isn't enough, what would you recommend? What would you say to them? Well, I would first remind them that it's taken billions of years of cooperative effort to develop this either or way of thinking where we divide us, we look at the world in terms of us and them and right and wrong and good and bad. So we have to think in terms of a massive effort and ongoing effort, continued education. So that's the one thing. And the next thing would be that we need to create an environment of safety. The reason people don't come together because we don't trust one another. So we have to create an environment where we have a couple of basic rules where we ask people, what, what are the universal qualities we can agree on? So we start by saying, what are we, we all want peace, we all want happiness. How do we get there and not get caught up in these minor little things about, well, you're not the right color, you're not right the religion, and so on. So we, that's the way we start changing the way people think. And then it's going to take a long-term, probably a lifelong effort. We stop education at the, at the 12th grade, and then we don't teach. We, we teach people how to make money, and we don't teach people more ethics and morality so much earlier. So we need to do this lifelong. That's why I think we need... Uh, groups that people meet on a weekly basis, and we can do that with the with the, the technology day with Zoom. We have this marvelous opportunity to educate people around the world, virtually little or no cost. So that's where I think I would start. Wonderful, thank you, Don. So, Dot, you're in front of the UN. What do you invite as the next 40 years of our International Day of Peace? Mm, yeah, thank you. I would begin by reminding all of us at the United Nations that when the United Nations was founded, it gave humanity a great opportunity to shift in consciousness from peace through force to peace through development and diplomacy. And that what really needs to be encouraged in this moment, because it doesn't have to take that long, is peace through development. And that on the International Day of Peace, and I would suggest we choose a couple of other days as well, that may be the day, uh, International Education Day in January, maybe four of the UN days throughout the year, dedicated at the UN to take a look at that shift and what, what it is that needs to happen community by community, region by region, uh, nation state by nation state, to make those very practical shifts so that we are actually living on this planet and moving in the direction of peace through development and diplomacy and that we simply agree to do away with peace by force. Ultimately, until we make that shift in consciousness, we are 
I mean, we know the facts. Don, you present them really well, too. Thank you. Uh, about where we've been and where we're going if we keep doing the same thing and spending a ton, just a ton of money on things that hurt us rather than help us. So that would be my introduction and then pull threads from there in terms of ideas of how we go about doing that, which would probably begin even with focus groups based on getting to know the true need in various communities and countries that would not have to do with building on things that we don't need more of. Mm. Thank you both. This was really a, a delight for me and I'm just really appreciating that we're, we're even talking about um, the foundations of peace in a way that feels um, tangible and um, achievable for each each of us listening to both of you. It's like beginning with education and looking at even the the personal safety and some of the some of the pieces that you've brought in. I am like so inspired. So um, I just have a minute here before I need to wrap up. I'm wondering if each of you have just a brief. Um, a brief something that you're just itching to say that you haven't been able to say about this pathway from personal peace toward world peace. Dot, let's start with you. Bless me into usefulness. That's where joy resides. Mm. Thank you, Dot. And Don. I think it's clear that people want peace and happiness it's just a matter of bringing them together and focusing on what they want and getting away from the, our differences that's the way we can make some progress when people can start talking about working together for what they want rather than what's wrong with one another mm. Thank you both. Thank you both. I so appreciate this conversation. And um, again, we're talking about that move from the me to the we, building cooperative communities that care for all life and future generations. I want to leave you listeners. Thank you for tuning in and, and listening to these two beautiful people on the planet here today. I want to leave you with two different quotes today. First with St. Francis de Sales, who said, never be in a hurry. Do everything quietly and in a calm spirit. Do not lose your inner peace for anything whatsoever, even if your whole world seems upset. And then one of Don's favorite mentors and, and resources, Albert Einstein. Peace cannot be kept by force. It can only be achieved by understanding. You've been listening to The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Remember, together we are creating connections for the good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now. <laughs>